Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Stephen Nill, CEO of CharityChannel.com. So, you want your charity to succeed. You came to the right place. Integration of online and offline techniques is the key to your successful fundraising, and practical advice on going green is what you need. With this show, The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, you will learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Our host is Ted Hart, one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. This year, he is celebrating 25 years in the nonprofit sector and the 10-year anniversary of his firm, TedHart.com. His books range from successful online fundraising to the use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. His guests are leaders in their field who will share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management, green strategy, and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, here's Ted. Hey, and good afternoon, everybody. It is great to be here uh, with you from the nation's capital. This is Ted Hart, and you are live with the Nonprofit Coach. A little bit of change in plan today. Our good friend Gail Perry was called away unexpectedly, uh, and sometimes things just work out for a reason. We've been trying to find an opportunity uh, to get John Murcott, president of Karma 411, on our show, and his schedule's been very difficult uh, because he's a very busy guy, but it turned out that he was he was available today. So our very special treat for you today is that our page two expert will be John Murcott, who is the president of Karma 411 and an author in my new book, Internet Management for Nonprofits. So stay tuned. Don't forget, you will be able to call in and ask questions on fundraising, social media, and website design with John Murcott at 347-324-308. 8-0. But as always, we always start our show here on Page One News. This is Tuesday, March 1st, and I am Ted Hart, your host for the Nonprofit Coach. And uh, first up here on the Nonprofit Coach is congratulations to our good friend, Andrew Watt. Andrew uh, has been over at the Association of Fundraising Professionals for a couple of years now uh, and has just been, as of yesterday, named the uh, new president following Paulette Maihara uh, as CEO of the Association of Fundraising Professionals. Of course, we have a long-standing history with AFP, uh, both as a firm and here on this show. Uh, we have several representatives of their ethics group and Paulette Maihara coming on the show in just a couple of weeks. And uh, as soon as the dust settles uh, for Andrew, we plan to have him on the show as well. So congratulations to our good friend Andrew Watt, the soon-to-be new president of our CEO, rather, of the Association of Fundraising Professionals. Next up here on page one news, you'll find over in the radio links at tedhartradio.com, and a whole coalition of very good folks have come together uh, this year in a joint project to promote the 2011 nonprofit fundraising survey. And you'll be able to find a link to the survey 
again, over at tedhartradio.com. This is a joint project between the National Center for Charitable Statistics, GuideStar, the Association of Fundraising Professionals, Indiana University Center on Philanthropy, the Foundation Center, and Blackbaud. Uh, this is a very important survey, uh, and certainly all of us here at tedhart.com and the uh, nonprofit coach endorse this survey and encourage you to take the time to fill out the survey today. Also want to remind everybody as you're preparing for our very special page two expert today, John Murcott, president of Karma 411, which you can find at karma411.com. You can call in and ask questions by dialing 347 347- 324-3080. You also can join us over in the chat room, and I do see folks joining us uh, over in the chat room today. Hello, everyone. Uh, you can ask questions there, or if you're super shy, you can also email me at tedhart at tedhart.com. Next up here on page one, news comes to us from the Chronicle of Philanthropy. This is very well done. Maureen West has put together an article about digital annual reports and how they lure readers and may have uh, may also save some cash. This is a uh, uh, an aspect of online. Uh, activities that we've been promoting for quite some time. This has a lot of added benefits. It cuts down on the waste of paper. Uh, and as you know, we have a partnership with greennonprofits.org, uh, and today we will be giving away another copy of the Nonprofit Guide to Going Green. So don't forget that you can uh, uh, register to be in the weekly drawing for a copy of the Nonprofit uh, a guide to Going Green uh, by joining the newsletter at greennonprofits.org. Each week we do give away a book, and that is sponsored by Santa Fe Aventus. One of the ways that you can earn points towards certification of your organization by greennonprofits.org is to reduce the use of paper. Digital annual reports is one way to do that, and you can learn all about that today in an article from the Chronicle of Philanthropy that you can find over at tedhartradio.com. Next up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach, page one, uh, I've got a, a special friend that I want to bring uh, into uh, uh, into the show today who's had a very uh, interesting experience of late. Allison Rose is the manager of standards and measurement for the Committee Encouraging Corporate Philanthropy. Uh, she's going to join us today to tell us all about International Corporate Philanthropy Day. And, Allison, I understand you got to help ring the bell on Wall Street uh, recently. Recently. So uh, welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach, Allison Rose. Thanks so much for having me. How are you doing? Hey, Allison, great to have you here on the show. That must have been a lot of fun. Tell us all about ringing the bell on Wall Street and what is International Corporate Philanthropy Day? Great, and again, thrilled to be here, so thank you. Uh, International Corporate Philanthropy Day, or ICPD as we call it for short, it's an international advocacy day now in its eighth year, and it mobilizes the business community to share best practices, develop partnerships, and really engage with employees and other stakeholders for more strategic and effective social uh, social investments. Um, so each year on ICPD, companies recognize this day with special programs, announcements, employee events at their offices and in their communities. There are oftentimes um, big commitments that are announced. We also have several partner organizations around the world that celebrate ICPD with different media outreach, communications to their members, uh, and all sorts of events. Uh, so it's really you know an entire global day of awareness around um, 
um, around Corporate Philanthropy Day. So we have been honored uh, to attend the opening bell ceremony for the past uh, eight years at the New York Stock Exchange. And it's, it is, again, a true honor to be able to attend. Um, we invite senior corporate giving professionals to attend with us. So we had a great group yesterday. Um, we had the um, representatives from Accenture and Alcoa, Bank of America, Campbell Soup, um, the China Europe International Business School, Deloitte Services, Duke Energy, Goldman Sachs, PepsiCo, Verizon, and Western Union. We had a terrific group. And really what, what happens is we all meet at the Stock Exchange um, and are greeted by our very gracious New York Stock Exchange hosts. Um, we also had the pleasure of being joined by CEO Duncan Niederauer, who met with us in the morning um, to um, share his thoughts on the day uh, and really help us mark this momentous occasion. What happens is we proceed down through the trading floor, which is just a tremendous experience. It's unlike anything I've ever seen before. Um, it's quite a flurry of activity, to say the least. Um, there are screens everywhere. It is just a buzz. We walk through the entire floor um, towards the podium, which is in the back of the room, uh, and we proceed up to the podium uh, for the bell ringing. It all happens very quickly, so by the time you get to the podium, it's just lights and cameras that are, are looking at you. You have the entire floor below you. Uh, there's just quite an energy that I, I'm not even sure I can um, give credit to. What happens is we um, all start clapping, you know, right ahead of the opening bell ceremony. Um, and we had Rose Kirk, the president of the Verizon Foundation, uh, ring the bell uh, for our group and really start the day off. Um, not only were we helping in in kind of opening the markets, but our uh, CEO conference, which was going on at the same time uptown, which I'll, I'll share a little bit about as well, they watched the live feed of the opening bell ceremony to mark the beginning of their conference. Um, this oh, conference what a great way to uh, to uh, to launch a conference! And uh, Allison, just yes. uh, for all of our listeners today Please. to know. We do have a link to the International Corporate Philanthropy Day website Terrific. in the radio links today at tedhartradio.com. So go ahead and tell us a little bit more uh, about the conference. Yeah, great. Thank you. The, the conference this year was our sixth annual Board of Board CEO conference. This is something we do every year, and this year it was held at the McGraw-Hill Companies in New York. Uh, we had over 70 leading global CEOs attend, including uh, more than 20 from the global 500 or Fortune. 500 companies. Um, this conference every year is ranked um, by Weber Shandwick as one of the world's top 10 executive events, um, and it really brings together CEOs um, to have a conversation this year around the theme, business at its best, maximizing long-term profitability and societal impact. Um, we were very thrilled uh, to have William Green, the chairman of Accenture, and Indra Nui, the chairman and CEO of PepsiCo, uh, lead our discussion along with moderator Charlie Rose. Um, we also had Lloyd Blankfein, the chairman and CEO of the Goldman Sachs Group, address our attendees.
attendees at the executive luncheon. So this is a terrific event for CEOs uh, to come together. They uh, participate in some real-time polling, um, and we each year, CCP produces a summary report of this conversation. So I encourage any listeners who are interested in hearing um, how this conversation went and what some of the key findings were this year um, to certainly uh, watch our website. We will have that available uh, shortly. We were also um, thrilled to have uh, several um, representatives from from the global community. We had um, representative CEOs from companies in China, um, companies in the Middle East, as well as um, Brazil. So we were we were thrilled to have a terrific contingent on hand yesterday. Well, that uh, that sounds terrific, and of course, uh, to to be rated so highly uh, as a conference uh, is uh, really a feather in your cap. We've been strong supporters here on uh, the nonprofit coach uh, of the uh, committee encouraging corporate philanthropy uh, for quite some time, and we were very pleased last year to be added uh, both the Green Nonprofits Organization uh, and P2PFundraising.org, our website, uh, in your official nonprofit resource guide. So that was very kind of you to include us, uh, and uh, we really today honor you uh, and celebrate uh, with you, uh, albeit a day late, uh, Internet Corporate Philanthropy Day, or International Corporate Philanthropy Day. Uh, Allison, thank you so much for joining us and taking us the time uh, to share with us what it was like to ring the bell on Wall Street. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Take care. Well, back here on uh, page one uh, of the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, uh, the next uh, that you'll find in the radio links uh, is to get people to opt in to social media. This is a wonderful article that uh, has been put together by Michael Cohen uh, from Social Media Today. Uh, so make sure that you check that out. He's got some step-by-step -step, uh, uh, ways that you can uh, help get people inspired to opt into your social media uh, for your organization. Of course, we always appreciate the good work brought to us by social media today. Congratulations uh, over on our next uh, uh, piece of news here on Page One News uh, to the uh, good folks in Salt Lake City uh, who just received a million dollars uh, from Wall Street. And these are uh, folks who uh, have uh, participated in the Fight Hunger Together program, uh, and they had over get this, 5 million Facebook likes uh, on Facebook, and that's how they won. Uh, the entire community came together to help fight hunger in Salt Lake City, and the Walmart Foundation, along with Walmart, uh, gave $1 million to continue the work of Salt Lake City Community Action Partnership. So you can read all about that, how they won, how they used Facebook to win, uh, how others uh, won, uh, uh, were granted as much as $100,000 in communities like Fresno, California, Columbia, South Carolina, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, Ogden, and Clearfield, Utah. So uh, good folks out there working hard, utilizing Facebook with the support of Walmart. Thank you for your support of the charitable uh, sector. Next up here on the uh, Nonprofit Coach, we have how nonprofits can use social media to spark change. Well, we certainly have been seeing in the news uh, how people around the world, in particular the Middle East and North Africa, have been using social media as a way to bring people together to share information and news, and certainly charity use of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, and other social media sites has been growing. 
We certainly have been promoting it uh, here on The Nonprofit Coach in books such as People to People Fundraising and uh, my newest book, Internet Management for Nonprofits, which our page two expert today, John Murcott, is one of our authors. A couple of other uh, pieces of news here uh, at the top of the show. Uh, Group On, if you haven't been following Group On, they keep getting uh, more and more traction, uh, and they are uh, over in the Chronicle of Philanthropy. Uh, they have uh, been credited with helping garner new members and cash for Carnegie Museums of Pittsburgh. I thought you'd be interested in reading how they went about that, uh, how the Carnegie Museums utilized the services of Groupon to bring in new members and cash. You can read all about that over in the radio links at Ted Hart Radio. Don't forget, in uh, just a few moments, we're going to be heading over uh, to page two in our page two expert today, uh, John Murcott. You'll be able to call in and ask a question of our expert by dialing 347-324-3080. When you do that, make sure that you press the number one. That will indicate on the switchboard here that you would like to ask a question, and we'll get to you as soon as we possibly can. Next up here in uh, the radio links, uh, you'll find uh, from Mashable uh, a video and a bit of an article here uh, that I thought you'd be fi- that you would find interesting from Google CEO uh, uh, Dr. Eric Schmidt, the chairman of the board and CEO of Google, who is saying that the use of mobile technology is growing faster than quote all our predictions. Uh, and I think this is important for all of us in the nonprofit sector to be aware of, as we have continuously said this is not the most important thing that every charity uh, should run out to have a mobile strategy today we need to uh, manage expectations it is far more important today that you have an excellent well-designed website that you have a guide star strategy a linkedin strategy facebook and jumo and yes mobile is on the table but for most nonprofit organizations it is a year or two down the road before you'll uh, need to have that strategy uh, in place. So that's what we have here uh, on the uh, Nonprofit Coach on page one, and it's my pleasure now uh, to take you over to page two. top of the show, uh, sometimes things just work out to the benefit of all of us, and uh, while our good friend Gail Perry was called away, uh, we were able to t- seize the opportunity uh, to bring a very uh, busy and important man in our sector here on to the Nonprofit Coach. So our special guest today is John Murcott. John is president of Karma 411. John has 15 years of technology startup experience in products, strategy, and marketing, and has started four companies throughout his career. In 2007, he helped launch Karma 411, a social networking site that raises money and awareness for nonprofit organizations. He works directly with nonprofits to help them get started with Web 2.0, and as we'll discuss today, uh, they are one of the better users of people-to-people strategy. Previously, John co-founded Fatwire Software, a a web content management company. In 1996, along with his business partner, Mark Fasciano, he began by creating Fatwire Professional Services, working with clients such as IBM, United Technology, and iWeb. 
John later managed the Fatwire Products Group and Engineering Team and is re, was responsible for product strategy and direction. I can tell you with uh, personal uh, uh, interest that uh, Karma 411 is an organization uh, that has been innovative, uh, has worked in the nonprofit sector for many years. You can find them and follow them on Twitter at Karma411, and it is my pleasure to welcome here to the nonprofit coach, John Murcott. John, how are you? Good, Ted. Good to be with you. Ah, great to have you here on the show. Thank you for uh, being available today. It was uh, uh, unexpected to uh, have to make a, a swap, and uh, very fortunate to us that you did end up being available today. So I think one of the, the first questions that most of our listeners are going to uh, have, and I'm going to ask you to uh, fill us in, is what is Karma 411? Uh, sure, I'll give you a background. Uh, one of the reasons why uh, I was able to join you today is uh, we're based here in New York, and uh, the snow is finally gone. So there's a little bit of spring in the air, and I think uh, there's some uh, positive uh, spirits around here. So <clears throat> anyway, uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, just to give you a quick background, you said, you said some of it in the intro. We do uh, a focus on people-to-people -people fundraising. So we help nonprofits use social network channels and tools in order to raise uh, funds and awareness for their organization. That's great, and and this is this is very important uh, technology for nonprofit organizations and continues to grow. Tell me a little bit about uh, the growth of Karma Four One One and what you've been seeing in the marketplace. Yeah, uh, well, we're a big proponent, as I said already, Ted, on your. Uh, philosophy of how people-to-people -people fundraising uh, can be successful for nonprofits, but there's two things I'd like to highlight, some changes. The first one is a lot of nonprofits are looking to us now for what I would generically call solutions. And of course, as part of that solution is still some type of people-to-people -people fundraising, so people reaching out to their friends. For people who know some of your presentations, Ted, you call that the Aunt Mabel effect. So when you receive a request to support an organization from someone you know, that's typically more persuasive than if the organization went directly to you. So that's a core of these solutions, but we've built, number one, some tools to help support this process. So what we do now is uh, deploy what we call microsites, basically pre-configured websites that support events. Uh, and then number two, we provide additional services. So a lot of times people say, look, in general, can you help us with our social media support? So in general, help us with our social media uh, channels, uh, manage some of those channels uh, directly for us. And then finally, can you integrate some of our back-end systems to all these tools you're doing on the front end? So I have a large donor management system. I understand I can get your site up and running quickly and your tools uh, uh, used quickly, but can you connect it to our back office? And, and that is a very important topic that comes up time and time again, and one of the things that uh, really brings Karma 411, in my mind, to the forefront, and that is the ability to think holistically, to think about the integration of online and offline, but also to be able to work with multiple databases as opposed to just being married to one solution. Is that correct? Uh, that is true. As you can imagine, in the marketplace, there's kind of two approaches in general to support uh, nonprofits uh, from a big picture perspective. The first one is focusing just on the back end, so the databases, the donor management, the reports, et cetera. And then the other side is the front end, all the viral tools, the people-to-people -people fundraising, these Web 2.0 applications. And our strength is on that front end. 
So we make these very persuasive applications. They raise a lot of money. They're very viral. They're very popular. So we need to be open. We're, we're not focusing on that back end. So if you're using one of the large donor management systems out there, if you're using a smaller system, even if you're using a homegrown, uh, our goal is to remain open and uh, be able to plug in, if you will, to each one of those various systems. John, you mentioned that uh, uh, beyond simple online fundraising and and uh, and, and membership management, uh, that you've built other tools that um, have been specifically needed by uh, charitable organizations. That shows a lot of flexibility to the Karma 411 platform. What sorts of other services uh, have you developed, and uh, have they been successful? Yeah, sure. Uh, and actually, uh, this uh, trend that we see and the solutions we've been deploying are also inspired from you, Ted. So if you remember in the book that we uh, authored with you, <clears throat> we focus on this idea of social collaboration. And collaboration is a term, sometimes people hear it, it's usually used internally, meaning how does marketing work with sales, work with support, work with you know, uh, programs, etc.? Uh, but it's very internally focused. And the concept that we were talking about in your book was how do you collaborate externally with your advocates, with your local offices, with uh, people that care about your cause. That's kind of the heart of people-to-people -people fundraising. But there's one other element that we see as a core success factor in these people-to-people -people activities, and that is the general concept of an event. One of the reasons why, for example, walkathons do so well is that, or a gala or some type of activity like that is that there's an actual event, there's a date, there's a deadline. Everyone's kind of driving their uh, efforts towards this one actual final point. And it just helps with the fundraising. It helps close you know, people who are maybe uh, delaying a little bit supporting. So you know this is the date. This is when it's due and kind of all those activities uh, geared towards there. So one of the things that comes up a lot is people say, hmm, uh, well, we kind of, you know, we're in corporate here, and I guess I have to figure out what it should be a good event we'll do or when is our next event. And that is important, and we certainly support those activities. But one important concept is if you're buying into this idea of collaboration, where it's not all about you, it's actually relying on your advocates, the community, the, uh, the social networks, if you will, that you're connecting with, you don't have to rely on them just for the fundraising after you come up with a wonderful idea for an event. They have events in their life that have the same qualities as your walkathon or your gala or your bowling outing or whatever that is. It could be a wedding. It could be a family event. It could be a corporate event. It could be within a local office where they have some type of a, a, an activity. So what we're doing now is providing tools for each one of these constituents, it could be a local office within a larger nonprofit, it could be a company within a region, it could be an individual uh, or a family, what have you, where they're not just doing the people-to-people -people fundraising, but they're also setting up the, uh, the other elements of the event. When does it take place? How do you get here? Taking registration, letting people uh, 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 register online, uh, the, what I was describing before, these microsites. And we see that as a, as a key wrap the tools that support event creation and put it into a pre-configured tool set like uh, microsites, then you have the best of both worlds. You're leveraging the community, just like you do with people-to-people -people fundraising, but it's not just for the individual pages. It's for these actual events. 
and it becomes very powerful when a nonprofit has multiple people around the country that are doing these various events, uh, in, encouraging their friends, getting people involved, and raising money. So it, it kind of takes the people-to-people -people concept uh, to the next step. Well, John, in in uh, in the chapter that uh, that you wrote uh, in the Internet Management for Nonprofits book, you co-authored Chapter Four: Social Collaboration and Productivity with Russ Arts, uh, yourself, and Mark Fasciano. I was wondering if uh, you might one of the the, the topics and you cover a lot of uh, very important things in in this. Uh, uh, in this chapter, I was wondering if you could uh, bring us up to speed and share with our listeners today the importance of the case study about our baby and where that fits into uh, your concept of dedicated communities uh, for charitable causes. Yeah, that, that's a great one for scale, too. So once again, this idea of collaboration. And it was so uh, helpful to us to have Russ Arts involved. For people who don't know, he's a co-founder of Computer Associates. So this is a multi-million dollar software company that it, uh, supports very, very large organizations. So when he thinks collaboration, that is a little bit, as I was describing before, it's very process-driven. It includes a lot of teams internally, but a lot of teams working together. It's big infrastructure. It's a lot of deployment. It's a, it's a large-scale uh, uh, project, if you will. But the focus, like I said, is internal. The, the idea that we're talking about is how do you let your community, your advocates, the people that support your cause, collaborate with you. Let them come up with ideas. Let them reach out to their uh, network. You don't have to do it all yourself. The point is just give them the platform, give them the tools and some of the inspiration, of course, and they can do that for you. So when you look at a case study like our baby, it has a lot to do with volume. So they had over 8,000 people all register for an event. Each one had their own page and or they had companies build what they call team pages where multiple people connect uh, and uh, work together. And over two years, each year, they are raised over $500,000. So the financial part, of course, is wonderful. But the, the part that I just like so much is to think that there's 8,000 people out there that are all reaching out to their friends, to their colleagues, forming teams, raising money, sending emails, etc. It's, it, it's a real way to look at collaboration. And our babies are a relatively small company, so it would be interesting one day to take an example of a computer associate's concept of collaboration, where there's definitely thousands of people in a, in a very large, let's say, manufacturing company, pick them against relatively small nonprofit that has as many thousands of people uh, participating and collaborating and working. So it's kind of an interesting way to show how the nonprofit community can leverage uh, a lot of the ideas that corporations did in the past and, and really show the strength and how they can leverage that, uh, that energy. Well, and John, and, and I'll share with our, our listeners too. Your uh, your company was very kind uh, in uh, working with uh, an organization that I've been associated with, and that's the uh, Wildlife High School PTSA, uh, in creating a website for them, uh, and then you know, going on to uh, providing uh, management uh, for that uh, that site as well. And that's been hugely successful in their opportunity or in in that organization's. Uh, move to double their membership in just a few months' time. Is that 
typical of the kind of client that uh, that you provide service to and typical of the kind of sort of leapfrogging effect that your technology brings to charitable organizations? It is. If you think how many times when you're working with an organization, it could be a PTSA or, you know, some type of organization, and the way to participate, so become a member, sign up, register, whatever that call to action is, is typically please click here to get a PDF file. You have to print the PDF file and either fax it in or mail it or, or what have you. So a lot of this functionality uh, that I'm describing can be also described as kind of extending what you do already offline. So if you have people, you know, literally mailing in uh, registration forms or uh, faxing in uh, registration forms, look, it's a it's a, a classic standard type of requirement. But to be able to bring it online, organize it, manage it, do reporting on it, plus make it so easy for the people to participate. I had a meeting this morning where someone was saying that uh, just having to mail in one of those little cards that you get uh, in order to participate in a local event. Of course, he waited to the last second to do it. And one thing just to throw out there, when that happens and it almost becomes more of a nuisance or just the difficulty of having to respond that way, I think that's part of the reason why when you combine, when you compare online donations versus offline donations, that the online donations are typically higher. One of the reasons could be that you simplified the process so much to register, become a member, or whatever that call is that uh, maybe there's just some built-in goodwill that uh, bumps up the uh, the average transaction. Well, and and part of it is is also uh, the convenience factor of uh, being able to give people an opportunity to connect with you uh, in a way that they desire to connect with you. Um, and so many people are online today, and so many people uh, are using uh, social media as well. Talk to us a little bit about how Karma 411 uh, integrates and and utilizes the tools of social media on your platform, but also then talk to us about how you uh, bridge to the broader social media community. Yeah, uh, the first part of the answer is, Social media and social networking is really a, a framework now. It's, it's a platform, just like email was before. So I kind of look at it as email times 10. And the way that people use their email is for different purposes. So I use my work email, which is obviously mainly for partners and clients and uh, my colleagues. Uh, but I use a personal email for my friends and my family, and I use other emails for doing online orders. The point is, the functionality is all the same. It's, it's sending emails. It's a, a very common and well-understood way to communicate. <clears throat> but I don't use one email for all of my activity. I think it's the same way that social networking will uh, will play out, where the tools, the concepts, the framework are, are very similar. It's basically connecting and sharing information. Of course, it's a lot richer than just sending an email. It's interactive. Uh, it's, it's much more rich. Uh, in the interaction, but still in the end it's communicating and interacting. But you won't use one for everything. Now, uh, and I always use the example Facebook versus LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn, of course, you would be looking for a job or trying to connect uh, uh, from a business perspective, uh, but on LinkedIn you don't upload pictures of your kids. It's just a, it's just not used for that even though you theoretically could. And the tools are very similar, that's the way it breaks down. So the main part of the interaction for each one of these channels, so business, go to LinkedIn, fun, and kind of just your general social interaction on Facebook, 
for causes would be through the same, the same types of tools but are more closely aligned to the cause itself. It's not something you're going to check out every day like you might check out your Facebook profile, but, uh, but it's geared and targeted towards that type of uh, uh, functionality, that type of activity. But it doesn't mean, so anyway, I think these are all separate environments. So when you're kind of doing causes, you're doing a walkathon, you're, you're, maybe a, a family member got sick, et cetera, you'll be focusing a lot of that, that activity through the more cause-oriented social network. However, it doesn't mean that you won't be posting updates. It doesn't mean that you won't be sharing. It doesn't mean that there's no interaction with these other networks, just like every once in a while uh, a family member will send me an email to my work account. It, there's no issue there. That kind of cross-activity uh, does happen, but it's not geared only for that. So more likely than not, most of the activity within each one of these channels will occur within the channel, but there will always be a cross-pollination, and there's always a benefit of connecting them. So most of the interaction is through the individual social networks, but there's that kind of interconnected, uh, interconnectedness, if you will, that also occurs. And there, there's a balance out there. And some people, we're still trying to figure it out. Uh, there's nothing perfect, but the balance will come, I believe. Well, and, and I and I agree with you. Uh, we do have a, a question that came in by email, uh, John, and I was wondering if you can uh, reflect on on this uh, email from Paula uh, from uh, New York, not far from uh, from where you are, I suppose. Um, and and she's asking, um, does Karma four one one stand alone, or does it work with my other services? Uh, yep, thanks, Paula. Hope you're enjoying. I don't know where you are in New York. Hopefully, you're enjoying the same nice weather. We're we're a half an hour outside of New York City in Jericho, uh, Long Island. Um, but uh, it, it goes back. It's a good question. It goes back to a little bit of what I said that there's a there's an advantage to having a network that focuses on the cause. Number one, because there's tools and functionality that are a little bit more geared to the cause, like raising money, <laughs> those types of tools. But it doesn't encroach too much in the other channels. So uh, that's what I was kind of uh, driving at before, that people are more or less expecting that when I'm on Facebook, I'm kind of doing that social fun interaction. When I'm on LinkedIn, I'm doing the business in, uh, interactions. And when I'm going through my uh, cause-oriented social networks, that's what I'm focusing on. So there's, uh, there's an advantage and I think a requirement from a product's perspective that each one of these uh, networks kind of do their own thing and have their own feature set. However, there's, there's always going to be correlation. It makes sense. You, you want a status update. You kind of want to know what's going on, but you can't put all of that functionality in the other network. So, for example, taking all the functionality and putting inside of Facebook uh, only uh, I believe would be a mistake because that's not what people are on Facebook for in general. But to post something and send an update and, you know, direct people when they're free or when it makes sense back to your network, which is more cause-oriented, so let's say you're doing some fundraising, I think makes perfect sense. So that's the balance. And the, the balance is, uh, you know, will take some time to get perfect. But I think people more or less do that balance already. And uh, email was kind of the way uh, at first. More or less, people send emails personally to personal email addresses and work to work email addresses. But every once in a while, there's always a cross-pollination. So the balance is coming, and uh, it, it's better to look at these things uh, from a feature perspective and uh, each environment offering its own uh, uh, strengths. 
John, on Karma 411, you, you offer services related to fundraising, auctions, events, membership, walkathon. Where would a typical client start with you? What, what is, is, is there a typical path or is there not? Uh, there is, and actually it's uh, one other one, I, I don't think you put it in the list, which is awareness. And a lot of times when you're, if you will, dipping your toe in the water, you've got a lot of things going on. Obviously, you're busy and there's a lot of uh, priorities going on. One way to dip your toe in the water is just to build up some awareness. We, we work with a lot of organizations that say, you know, we don't really have a big community and we don't have a lot of emails and we haven't really built up the newsletter list. You know, we're just kind of feeling our way through this. So we say, look, the, the first way to outreach then is keep it very light and just do an awareness campaign. Say, look, you know, this is what we're doing. Here's a, a latest uh, case study that we did. Uh, here's some new messaging. You know, just kind of reaching out to the community. But do it in such a way that people can share it with their friends. They can make it viral. Uh, you get comfortable with the tools and kind of understand how it works. And that lets you, number one, initiate that conversation. Number two, it lets you to start make those connections, right? So people are reaching out to their friends and their networks that you might not even have known of and you've gained a little bit of expertise. And then after that, you look towards, well, I have an event coming up, uh, we'd like to do a walkathon, we never did it online before, or we have a gala coming up and there's an auction, we'd like to bring it online. Uh, or, you know, we just want to do some fundraising for a specific activity. So that that's typically, not always, but that's typically the progression. Just kind of dip your toe in the water, uh, use the tools and kind of see how it goes. And then after you get a little bit of comfort level, you know, roll it out more for fundraising uh, or supporting a specific event. And, and John, there's uh, the the fee structure is similar to most uh, most groups in that there's uh, a monthly management fee, there's a per transaction fee. Um, how is how is this typically charged to the charity for the services that you provide? Right. Yeah. The the, the as I was saying before, the support fee is uh, we have people that are very good at this, especially when you're dipping your toe in the water. Uh, you want a little bit of a comfort level. So all the tools and the functionality are self-service. Uh, it is software as a service. Just log in and start using it. Uh, but there is a support uh, uh, option as well. But it starts at a reasonable amount. It's $220 per month. Uh, the other fees, though, are based just on the transactions themselves, so that the donations come in. Uh, but those are also very uh, reasonable. It's 3.5%, uh, which includes the credit card fee. And then finally, if you're interested in a microsite, so kind of taking it to the next step. So, you know, we want to build out the microsite uh, framework or extend the solutions, as I was saying before. Well, that's just based on what the needs are. So, you know, we have a conversation, go through the requirements, and come up with a, a price for that. But, John, it's possible for charities to get started and then grow with your service. It's not one of uh, those services where they sort of have to buy the Cadillac and then grow into it? That's correct. Yep, and we understand, as I was saying before, even my philosophy is typically get comfortable with it first. You know, try, try a couple small things, start uh, small, as you're saying, and uh, get comfortable with it. And, you know, a lot of times that makes sense as a first step. Terrific. 
Uh, for our listeners, don't forget you can call in at 347-324-3080. Uh, press the number one to let me know. I do see a number of people on the switchboard, but without pressing number one, my assumption is you're just listening and not looking to ask a question. You can also ask questions over in the chat room, or uh, you can email me at tedhart at tedhart.com. We're going to take just a little bit of a, a break here, John, because I do have uh, some business and something to give away. Uh, and when we come back, I want to ask you to uh, just uh, reflect on part of the chapter that, uh, that you wrote on the importance of staying on top of developing technology and how much time and effort uh, should uh, charities be putting towards these new technologies. So we'll be right back live with uh, John Murcott here on The Nonprofit Coach, and uh, I'll be right back. here on uh, the uh, the break here, and uh, I wanted to uh, do a little bit of business for greennonprofits.org. As uh, all of you know, who receive our newsletter and who may receive the Green Nonprofits newsletter, uh, they are running a promotion right now with the support of Santa Fe Aventus. Uh, each week, they're giving away a copy of the Nonprofit Guide to Going Green, uh, and we uh, draw from those who have entered for the drawing. How do you enter? Read the newsletter, and you'll see all the details details on how you can add your name uh, to the weekly drawing. And the winner this week of the Nonprofit Guide to Going Green is Bill Richmond. Bill Richmond is with the Peter Becker Retirement Community in Harleysville, Pennsylvania. Uh, Bill, that book will be right off to you. Uh, and uh, thank you again for entering and for your interest in the work of greennonprofits.org. Check out all of their information, including how your organization can become a certified green nonprofit. And again, with the support of Santa Fe Aventus right now, uh, you can reduce your certification registration fees by 50% uh, by uh, applying for a grant uh, from their green nonprofits program. And all that information is in the newsletter available at greennonprofits.org. And now on back to the show. John, uh, we're back here uh, with you live here on The Nonprofit Coach. Our page two expert today uh, is John Murcott, president of Karma411.com. Uh, John, again, this is a, an excellent uh, chapter uh, in the book, Internet Management for Nonprofits. If you're interested in getting a copy of this book, you can find it uh, on uh, at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can find it at tedhart.com. Uh, but uh, in your chapter, you specifically talk about staying on top of de developing technology. Of course, that's a focus of our show here and of our newsletter at p2pfundraising.org. Uh, but how much time should the average nonprofit executive be spending on new technology? Yeah, that, that is always the trick. <laughs> it's the same thing, obviously. I have to ask myself that question, too. Uh, you know, two ways to answer it. First one, while working backwards from a goal. So what is the role of technology or what is the state of the current fundraising and operations uh, and team and then working backwards from where do you want to go? And especially if you realize you're not doing a lot online, you're not taking online uh, registrations for events, for example, you're not leveraging social media, then 
and and there's trouble. So you know you need to move in this direction. And the answer, of course, is uh, more than someone who's kind of already put their foot in the uh, water and uh, are already starting to use that. So uh, I always just tell people, look at where you are and where you want to be, and that helps drive uh, some of the answer. The second part is uh, just to subscribe to tools that can help. Uh, so it's not always so much the amount of time that you have to spend. It's kind of just make sure you're you're left. Uh, John, are you here? I, we seem to have lost you. For you, like NP Tech. Uh, uh, John, I'm just going to ask you to repeat yeah. that. You kind of became a little garbled there for a second. Uh, so just uh, wind back about a minute and uh, bring us up to date on your thoughts. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Well, I'm, I'm actually using one of the technologies that we talk about in the book, uh, which is Skype. So <clears throat> sorry about that. Uh, what I was saying, well, first of all, obviously work backwards from your goal. So if you know you're not leveraging the technology yet, then you need to <clears throat> increase uh, the amount of time you're spending understanding the technologies and moving forward. The second part is after you've made that decision, then it's not so much uh, what you have to do, but figuring out what's the smartest way to stay on top. Uh, obviously, a plug for you is to stay on, uh, to listen to shows like this. But there's a lot of information. I'll just throw out one. There's many sources of good information. But it's amazing how much that you can get just from following Twitter. And I was not a big Twitter user a year ago, uh, but I really use it now not just for kind of keeping up to date on what's going on, but also as a research tool. Uh, so for people who don't know, there are specific phrases. There are specific what are called hashtags that uh, will give you updates in very small bite-sized pieces for specific types of information. So if it's technology, for example, then you could use technology hashtags. If it's uh, other types of uh, the latest uh, trends, uh, you can follow those. So it's not so much how much you have to spend outbound to get uh, information. It's uh, using sources uh, as smartly as possible. And I, I would recommend spending more time figuring out what are those good sources as opposed to saying, you know, I'm going to spend 20% of my day uh, uh, trying to understand technology. Just try to get it in the smartest way possible. Exactly. And, and I want to uh, echo some of the advice that we've given to our listeners in the past, and that is one of the, uh, in our opinion, uh, one of the great ways to organize the use of Twitter and to really, in my opinion, make it come a little bit more to life uh, for uh, the average charity uh, executive uh, is to use a service like Hootsuite.com. Uh, do you have other recommendations in terms of sort of Twitter organizers of information uh, like that? Or, or do you use Hootsuite as well? Uh, we also, yeah, we use Hootsuite uh, too. Yeah, it's a good, yeah. definitely recommend it. Yeah, yeah well, I, I highly recommend it. And, uh, and as I share in my lectures, uh, it's uh, a service that is recommended and used by Mashable.com, which is one of my, uh, my favorite technology sites. But as you were mentioning, mentioning John, uh, it's a, a great way to stay on top of what's happening right now uh, and some of the, uh, the best uh, uh, information. And, but it's also a way to keep people up to date on activities of a charitable organization without, uh, without everything having to be a press release. Isn't that right? That's right, and, and uh, uh, of course, it being so bite-sized, the the information is uh, is very rich and very easy to digest. 
So uh, <clears throat> obviously the complaint people have is the volume of information. And I will admit I still do subscribe to a lot of uh, email newsletters. And admittedly, I keep up a lot still through uh, those uh, uh, that, that email content, but I'm moving more and more to tools like Twitter because the information is a lot more bite-sized and uh, punchy. So, uh, anyway, that, that's the that's the direction I'm personally going in. And of course, all of our listeners can follow uh, you at uh, Karma411, which is the the Twitter sign at Karma411. Uh, you can follow me at Ted Hart uh, to get updates on uh, this show and other activities uh, of our organization. Uh, John, I want to take uh, just a second here before we start wrapping up the show. Hard to believe the time always goes by uh, so fast. Uh, I do want to take uh, an opportunity here just to uh, uh, share um, news about our really big show next week. Uh, next show, March 8th, is uh, really absolutely amazing to me. Uh, it is our one-year anniversary, so it's our big anniversary show uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, with Ted Hart. Uh, and John, this is a, a program that uh, you're very familiar with uh, in that uh, we're going to be using uh, that show to highlight Digital Leap, which happens uh, April 12th in Toronto uh, and is, uh, is a project that you've been involved with uh, in the past. Uh, we'll have experts on the show uh, who will uh, uh, be up in Toronto at Digital Leap this year. Uh, we'll have giveaways, and so it's going to be really uh, a very fun show, lots of experts and an opportunity to really uh, call in and pick the brains of uh, some of the leading experts uh, in online fundraising and digital technology uh, for a nonprofit organization. So that's going to be next week at 12 noon Eastern here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, John, in our radio links today at tedhartradio.com, uh, uh, we do have uh, a link over to uh, Karma411 uh, so that uh, anyone who wants to uh, go and learn more about your uh, your firm uh, can learn all about that. But I always want to ask a question, what's not on the website at Karma411 that's important for people to know? Yeah, it goes back to uh, what I was saying before, this idea of a solution. So, <clears throat> of course, we're a product company, we're a software company, we have specific tools, but a lot of times it's the glue, right? It's the experience we have, it's the integration with the back end, it's the uh, consulting on how to integrate other social media components. Uh, it's the microsites that I was talking about, too, but kind of how it all pulls in together. So the heart of the system is still people-to-people. -people. I mean, that's a big part of what we do. But what's not captured yet, and actually will be captured in a redesign of the site that's coming, is really more of this big picture, this concept of we know there's a lot of uh, components around uh, uh, fundraising. We know there's the back end, of course. We understand there's other integration issues, uh, social media in general. They all need to come together. And uh, we're, as I said, we're a new a new design is coming out that highlights this uh, framework and, and shows the big picture. So that's uh, this gives me a chance to uh, uh, highlight that even before the site comes out. Well, and, and I appreciate you uh, you sharing that. Uh, as you said, um, one of the technologies that you've developed that are so important to the flexibility of strategy for charitable organizations uh, is this concept of, uh, of microsites. And I, and I uh, certainly think that that's, uh, that's important to uh, have that as one of the options that are available for, uh, for charities 
um, uh, as they put their strategies together. Talk a little bit more in the time that we have left here, John, uh, about the, the integration strategies. What are you seeing with your clients? Um, are, are you seeing more pure play internet, or are you really seeing the success coming uh, through integration of online and offline campaigns? Yeah, it's interesting because, of course, when you hear integration, you think, oh, it's connecting one technology system to another, which, of course, is a big part of uh, integration. But you bring up a good point. Uh, sometimes, rather than use integration, we try to use the concept extension, uh, which you've helped us with uh, as a concept, because really what it is then in that respect it's extending what you're doing offline already. It's the registrations, so whether it's the PTSA or some other organization. It's membership drives. <clears throat> it's event registration. Uh, those types of activities, of course, they've been there a long time. But people are expecting now. They Maybe up until recently, they kind of understood if you're a smaller organization, we get it. We have to print out the PDF and fax it in. But the expectation now is that there's so many tools out there that help you with that online registration. I think we're starting to hit a point where uh, people are expecting that quote-unquote integration you know, or, as I was saying, the extension. And they're expecting if I'm going to participate in your event, if you want me to register, especially if you want me to give some money too and uh, you know, hopefully a, a good sum of money, that uh, you need to make it easy and you need to bring it online. So um, so I, I do like this concept of uh, what integration means uh, uh, really as an extension of what many times you're doing offline. The, the second thing I'd just like to highlight uh, one more time is this idea of collaboration because it also plays a role in this uh, integration story or the extension story. Because so many times, whether you're on a board or you're part of an organization or somehow connected to a cause, now, of course, not only do they want you to sign up for the table or for the, the seat or for the, the golf outing or whatever else it is, they want you to tell your friends. And it, the, the framework that we're talking about needs to address that too. No one is going to resend, well, very few people are going to resend uh, letters, of course, in uh, direct mail. That would be difficult. Uh, or, you know, just kind of forward emails, which are fine, but you really want to make it more interactive than that. Uh, number one. And number two, you want that call to action as much as possible to come from the experience of your friend. So let's say there is a, there's a dinner and they want you to sell 10, uh, 10 seats at a table. <clears throat> it's so much more persuasive, number one, if one of the people, whether it's a board member or someone else, makes the appeal directly. So that's the first part, that's people to people. But everyone wants to know who else is going, who else is going to be at the table, uh, who signed up already, etc. So if you can do that online where you can show the other people that are registered, make it a little bit fun, maybe share a couple of comments, maybe post a, a picture from last year, you know, that type of thing. It goes back to the collaboration. Not only are, uh, some, is someone helping you uh, uh, get people to come to this event, but now they're interacting with their friends and the, and the, the scope of the collaboration gets, uh, uh, gets much wider. So I, I love the concept of integration. It's really taking online tools that we're talking about and connecting it to your offline uh, environment. But then finally, though, there is an actual technical integration because it's great to get all the people registered. You still want to make sure it gets into your donor management system. So make no mistake when I say uh, integration, we also mean the, the quite literal uh, technology piece as well. 
Well, John Murcott, thank you. You have given us a lot to think about today and an introduction to a wonderful technology partner for nonprofit organizations. Karma 411 uh, is your company. I'm Murcott for joining us here, and I look forward to everyone uh, joining us next week for our big anniversary show, 12 noon Eastern, uh, here on The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. Thank you, everyone, and take care. Have a good week.